And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. But today, as I sometimes do because, hey, it's my program and I get to do what I want, I'm going to talk about something different today. Social media does tie in a little bit because I actually found this person through social media. But we're going to be talking today about a very different subject, but it is something that I think every person listening will find very interesting, and it may very well apply to them. So we are going to be talking with Deborah Jarvis. So welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Well, now that we really have piqued everyone's interest, let me tell them just a little bit about you. Okay. So Deborah is a writer and an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. She is a breast cancer survivor and the author of It's Not About the Hair and Other Certainties of Life and Cancer, which was a finalist for the 2009 Washington State Book Awards. In September 2014, she gave a TED Med talk, which can be found on www.ted.com. Deborah has worked as a hospice spiritual counselor and as a chaplain for the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. She was a commentator for National Public Radio and frequently speaks at conferences and gives workshops on medical staff care, spirituality, and finding meaning in life's challenges. Deborah received her Master's in Divinity from Northwest Theological Union in Seattle in 1989. She has an MA in Christian Arts from New College Berkeley in 1984 and a BA in Communications from UC Berkeley in 1977. She is also board certified through the Association of Professional Chaplains and is a certified Thantologist through the Association for Death Education and Counseling. So, Deborah, welcome. And now we really have people wondering what the heck we're going to be talking about. Like, how did she get on this program? I know, I know. Well, for those folks who aren't part of my kind of inner circle, I'm going to disclose something. I was diagnosed in August of 2015 with breast cancer. And one of the things that I immediately started doing was... I created a private Facebook group because I didn't really want to, you know, it's not a secret, but I didn't really want to share this information publicly because for one thing, I wanted my clients to think that I can always work no matter what. Um, but I just felt, you know, I wanted to keep things a little bit more personal and, and private. So I created this private Facebook group and my friend Pat Smith, who is a, a public relations professional out in Denver, sent me a link and actually she posted it on the Facebook page a link to Deborah's TED Talk. And I was absolutely fascinated because it was like we were kindred spirits. You know, I thought, this is the person who I want to meet. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and because it was very much, uh, it, what really struck me was in your talk, Deborah, you talk about the fact that we have cancer or we had cancer, but cancer doesn't have us and it doesn't define us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was so true. And, and you know, I've, I've already had people who have said, are you going to get a pink ribbon tattoo? <laughs> and I say, well, I don't have any tattoos and I'm not going to start with a pink ribbon one. Um, you know, please don't send me pink stuff. You know, all these various things. When I am done with this, I'm done with it. You know, I'm I'm not going to be in events. I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to run. I'll contribute. I'm perfectly fine with doing that. But when I'm done with it, I'm done with it. I don't want to be reminded about this because you are reminded. I mean, you know, anytime you, you have an ache, a pain, mm -hmm. a twinge, you know, all those things. Yes, you remember. And, you know, obviously you remember when you have tests and, and things. But that's not who I am. And so tell us, uh, first of all, tell us how you got to even be a TED speaker. Well, the content director for TED Med heard me speak mm -hmm. and she contacted me and said, let's have a conversation about what you would talk about if you gave a TED talk. And I said, okay, I can tell you exactly what I talk about. Mm -hmm. So we talked about that. And I basically said to her, I would talk about how 
I don't want to take that on survivor as my identity. Right. And I realize in some ways that is biting the hand that's been feeding me, but I've just seen it stop the growth of people when they take Mm -hmm. that on. And I'm all for processing your experience. And it takes some people quite a while to do that. And at the same time, I can say I've also seen people done processing their experience, but now they want to just hold on to that identity because there's a secondary gain for them. It's Mm -hmm. either attention or status or something. But then they're kind of stuck there. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes they, it might be that they felt that they didn't have an identity before. And so now this is their identity. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's, it's they want to help people. Right. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. Right. I, I have some friends who are like that. And that's great. They have been a, a, a great source of information. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like when people, you know, with your kids. Well, you know, you're the mother of... Betty, Bob, and Sue, but you also have a life outside of being mother of Betty, Bob, and Sue. Right. Or, you know, we show dogs and I tell people, yes, I have a life outside of dog shows, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's what I liked about your TED talk because tell us how it starts with your, your meeting someone at a bus stop. Well, I started my TED talk by saying that, say I met you on a bus and we really want to get to know each other. And we only have a short time between stops. And you're going to tell me three things about yourself that just Mm -hmm. get to the essence of who you are. Mm -hmm. And what are those three things? And so then I asked, of those three things, how many of them involve surviving some kind of trauma? Right. So rape survivor or incest survivor or cancer survivor or Mm -hmm. Holocaust survivor. And then just making the point that it's interesting how often we tend to identify ourselves by our wounds. Mm-hmm. And what about that? Right. You know, and, and, and is, if you're only giving three things, is that one of those things that that's really how you want people to either initially know you or remember you by? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it doesn't mean that, that that's a, a bad thing. It's just when you take that on as your main identity that Mm -hmm. I have seen it just keep people stuck. And then I've actually seen it work against them where it starts to push people away because they're Mm -hmm. just tired of hearing about it. They're Mm -hmm. just, it's like, move on, grow into who you are now becoming. And, you know, it's like staying in kindergarten for 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes we do get caught in those negative things. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was the, well, my last boss was this horrible SOB who did this and this and mm-hmm. this. Well, you know, that's, it, it's okay to hear about that once, twice, and you're starting to think, ugh, third time, and I'm going to repeat the story back to you. Um, you know, and, and then the fourth time, I just don't even want to go talk to you. <laughs> right. and, and that's really what kind of happens is people do get caught up and, and, and I don't know why we do it. We get caught in the negatives. It's not, oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, sometimes it is that I went on this great vacation oh, or, yeah. you know, some things like that. But it does tend to seem like we do get stuck on focusing on those negatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and why is that? And how does that serve you? Mm-hmm. So that was my, my question about, my, you know, the TED Talk. And mm-hmm. my experience with people who have told that same story over and over, and then people who have moved on mm-hmm. and told a different story, not right. changing the facts, but changing mm-hmm. the perspective. And mm-hmm. that makes all the difference in the world. Right. You know, and, and that could be the, you know, I learned to enjoy life more mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, or things like that. I spent a couple years uh, early on in my career, so back in the, <clears throat> you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the other decade, mm-hmm. um, I worked for an oncologist. I was, uh, he, he gave educational programs and, and traveled quite a bit, and so that was what I coordinated. I have zero medical training. You know, I don't play a doctor on TV. Um, and, but we had patients who made it a point to come see me every time they were in. And just say hi, mm-hmm. you know, and, and typically they were elderly. I mean, you know, when it, it that's just kind of how these things happen. But I remember I asked one one time and they were always just 
how are you? You know, just delighted to see me. And, and I was always delighted to see them. But, and I always stopped whatever I was doing, took the time to talk to him, even, you know, didn't matter what they were interrupting. I took the time. But I remember I asked one one time, I said, why do you say hi every time? And she got this very serious look on her face. And she said, because I never know when it might be the last time. Hmm. And so I have learned that I never put anything off. Mm -hmm. And I thought, aha, <laughs> she took that bad situation mm -hmm. and turned it into a positive. And I could tell that that was how she lived the rest of her life. And I honestly don't know how long that was, but you know, it, so that's one of those positives that can come from a negative. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I decided, okay, this is kind of a crappy experience, but I realized that I have a unique perspective. I'm mm -hmm. a chaplain in an oncology center. Right. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Five days later, I was diagnosed with mm. breast cancer. So now I'm a medical professional. I'm a member of a family who's got someone with cancer and I'm a patient. Right. That's a pretty unique perspective. Mm -hmm. And I also had this huge advantage in that I had so many fabulous role models right. on how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I had some kind of terrible role models too, which are always useful because, right. you know, I mm -hmm. could look at, I said to my husband, okay, if I'm going to have to have surgery, I'm going to do it like her. And if mm -hmm. I'm going to have to have chemo, I'm going to do it like him. And mm -hmm. if things don't go well and I end up in hospice, I'm going to do it like her. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it was a huge advantage to me that I had role models and that I was really familiar with the disease. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you had told me that I had MS or heart disease, I probably would have been chewing off my own arm. Right. But, mm -hmm. but you know, I knew cancer. I knew about it. And, I, mm -hmm. and I knew what the treatments were. So that was a huge advantage to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I, I kind of had a, a bit of the same situation. I worked for the oncologist for two years, uh -huh. and then I worked for the American Cancer Society for two years. And, and so as I tell people, I know just enough to be dangerous. But, you know, no matter if you have zero experience or, or years, one of the key things is to do your research. Uh -huh. You know, doctors are not perfect. You know, you, you have to know the questions to ask. And you can't, and, you know, now there is analysis by or paralysis by analysis, mm -hmm. absolutely, you know, and especially with something like cancer. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I typed breast cancer into a search engine, I have no idea how many millions of results are going to come up. Oh yeah, and it's probably going to be that way for for virtually any type of cancer or even any major disease. So you know, you kind of have to weed through. Right. You know, is this? You know, I've I've already had some people who sent me some articles that were talking about. You know, well, you should wait for a year after diagnosis to see what happens. Mm. Really. Mm. No, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then they do the one little, you know, this person ate tea leaves and yeah, they got yeah, better. Well, yeah, no, yeah. you know, while I like uh, Eastern medicine for, for a lot of things, I'm sorry for this, we're doing Western mm -hmm, medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, and, and so you do have to do your research. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where sometimes people get a little bit afraid and frightened. I had somebody that asked me if I was intimidated by the doctors and I said, have you met me? <laughs> I don't think so. It's the other way around. Yes, you know, they have my weird sense of humor and they kind of freak out, which has been the case. I've had, you know, they, they always say now, you know, when, when you go in and, you know, you're doing all your various tests and they look at your little armband and they say, what's your name? What's your birthday? What are you here for? And which side? And so they will say left and I will say right. And they give me this ah, look. I'm like, okay, I know I should say correct, but it's fun just to, you know, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. watch you freak out Keep when them I say on their right. toes, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, you know, and, and but it, it does show also that people go through this differently. I mean, some people get very serious, mm -hmm. and some people get, you know, they're they're kind of like what I'm suspecting you and I are, you know, kind of very tongue in cheek. We're, you know, we we do this with a, a sense of humor. And then, of course, there are the extreme humors where they're so nervous that they're going to laugh and giggle at everything. Yeah. And, and that's where a good doctor knows the, the difference. But, you know, I, I told somebody, I said, the cancer cell in each person is the same. That's where the similarities end. You know, how we all deal with it is very different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and so to me, that's been kind of the learning process. Well, have you was, ever noticed that people tend to do things the same way they do everything? Seriously. Right. So if you're mm -hmm. kind of a serious, sober person about everything, about mm -hmm. gardening, about right. housework, about your mm -hmm. job, if you get mm -hmm. a cancer diagnosis, that's pretty much how you're going to deal with it. 
So that's not a surprise, you know, and, and if you tend to have an attitude of curiosity and you're Mm -hmm. diagnosed with cancer, well, that's going to be a different experience for you Mm -hmm. than it would be for somebody else. Right. So I told them, I want to see all my paperwork. I might not understand what it means, mm-hmm. but I want to see the pathology reports, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and then I might look it up. You know, one of the things they told me at my recent appointment was that I was HER2 positive. Mm-hmm. And about the eighth time they said it, I said, stop. I need to know what that is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and they said, well, it's H-E-R-2 positive. And I said, well, it's not H-I-M. So that was good. And they just cracked up at that. But, um, you know, and, and so that was important that I stopped them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so there are times where it's funny and it's serious. But yeah, you know, I was curious. I am one of those people, you know, tell me what you're going to do. I, you know, I, in, in many cases, I will watch. I'm, you know, certainly not going to go kerplunk on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and now, you know, when they have some trouble with IVs and things, ew, that's different. But um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, George, I, if they could set up a mirror sometimes, I might watch. Um, but, you know, then I probably would pass out. But, you know. <laughs> It's, I, I do want to know now, how are you doing this? Why are you doing mm-hmm. this? You know, all of those various things. Mm-hmm. And, and, but there are also people who just say, okay, do it. And, and they're fine with not knowing the, the procedures, right. you know, that, but that's kind of like when I take my car in here, make it, make it better. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't, don't want to know, know about my car. Did. Just um, fix yeah. the sucker so I can drive it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and so you, you gave this Ted talk. So then you wrote this book and I love this book. I have this book. See, it's right here, holding it up in front of the microphone. <laughs> Here it is. And, and it's, the book is, it's not about the hair and other certainties of life and cancer. So why did you decide to write the book? I wrote the book because I knew I had a unique perspective. And I mentioned that I had this huge advantage of fantastic role models. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm going to write this book that's not just about my experience, but also about these fantastic role models. So Mm -hmm. that whoever reads this book can have the same advantage that I had. And I called it, it's not about the hair because, you know, when you do the first week or so after diagnosis and you're calling your close friends and family and saying, this is what's up. Deb just got diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm telling you that very first first day, are you going to lose your hair? (laughs) And, you know, after the third or fourth time, I just put down the phone and I turned to my husband and I was really kind of pissed off. And I said, I'm going to write a book and call it, it's not about the hair. Yes. And so then when I was all done with treatment mm-hmm. and I was talking to my friends and family about this and they said, well, you know, what it really was is that we wanted to know, are you going to lose your life? Right. Are you going to be okay? Are you going to lose your life? But we didn't mm-hmm. feel like we could ask you that. So mm-hmm. the question became, are you going to lose your hair? Because that is some indication of how extreme your chemo is going to be. Mm-hmm, right. And that's really what they wanted to know. And so I thought, okay, I know that, especially for women, hair, it's important. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not important. Oh, right. But mm-hmm. I'm saying, really, the whole cancer experience, it's not about the hair. It's about something mm-hmm. much deeper than that. Right. Thank God, right? right? Yes. Well, yeah, I, I told somebody, I said, it's kind of like there's this scale. There's bald mm-hmm. and there's dead. <laughs> you know, right. I'm sorry. I, I want bald to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my hair really is a lot of my identity. So this, this, you know, I, I haven't started chemo yet. And, and yes, I will lose my hair. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be traumatic. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be traumatic. I mean, you know, this will be probably one of the times when I do boohoo a bit. Mm-hmm. But it grows back. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what, and, and that's been kind of one of the funny things that several people have said to me is you, you don't seem bothered by all of this. And I said, you know, is it going to be a pain? Yes. Is it going to totally mess up my life for a while? Yes. But there's an end Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I'm aiming for. And more than anything, and maybe this is because I have experience with some of this, I know it could be so much worse. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and all it takes is seeing someone, you know, whether it's in person or on TV or whatever, who has it so much worse that you think, you know, well, I'm going to lose my hair and I'm going to be sick. But in a year, that's going to be gone. Well, I can do anything for I a year. I say, hey, you know what? We got diagnosed. Hey, you know what? Right. We got treated. We're going to get treated. Yes. My husband and I spent some time in Uganda and... Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, those women rarely get diagnosed. And then when right. they get diagnosed, it's so far gone. 
Mm -hmm. they often can't even afford chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And the cultural norm there is that if you have breast cancer, now you're damaged goods. Mm -hmm. And so you're often rejected from your family. And that means leaving your husband and your kids. Right. And so I I think, oh my God, you know, this is a much smaller deal here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are really fortunate to be able to Mm -hmm. get diagnosed and treated. No, I wouldn't pick it. It's not the funnest thing ever, but really. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and it is a way to help other people. You know, we've touched on that before. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, my biggest thing now is you absolutely, absolutely, absolutely have to have annual mammograms. Now, the funny thing, I was off by about six months on mine, Mm -hmm. so they would have missed it. And then when I was supposed to have it, you know, yeah, the, so it was fate that, you know, made me delay. Right. But, um, you know, for, for people who, well, it doesn't run in my family or um, I don't have the money. I'm like, uh-uh, no, no, no. There's lots of free services out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and all of these various things, it is a good reminder. You know, when, when I was first diagnosed, five of my friends contacted, and five, five women contacted me and said, I made an appointment. Excellent. And, you know, that was the goal of my Facebook thing was, yes, it's nice, it's support. And the people are just absolutely delightful and have been, you know, such sources of inspiration and caring and love. But it is also a a source of information for people. And to have five women say, I made an appointment, that to me was worth it right Right, there. Right. You know, and, and hopefully they don't have any problems. But if they do, then hopefully they caught it soon. And and it's also a good reminder to men that, hello, there are tests they need to be taking every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to men to be reminding the women in their lives that they need to be doing mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So good for you. I mean, that, you know, your friends are running out and getting their mammograms. That's fantastic. Know. You know, and that, that made me feel good. Yeah. I was kind of that inspiration. It was like, well, I'm not quite sure I like why I was the inspiration. But, right. Okay. Right. Um, you know, and, and, but, you know, so let's go back to your book because your book kind of goes through the story of what you went through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we do want to encourage people to get your book so they can get it on Amazon, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, and it, but it does kind of go through the course of your treatment. So talk to us, you know, don't give us so much. They don't have to buy the book. <laughs> but tell us kind of the, the, the stories, share some of the stories that you have in the book. Okay. Well, first of all, you already know the ending because I'm mm-hmm. doing this interview. Yes, you're here. I survived. <laughs> I am not speaking from beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> so I really thought it was not going to be a big deal. I thought, mm-hmm. okay, a lumpectomy. And then, you know, you have further tests, of course. Mm-hmm. And then they found um, cancer in other quadrants of my breast. And mm-hmm. so that kind of ruled out a lumpectomy because I'm small-breasted and mm-hmm. that would just be a mess. And my surgeon said, yeah, let's, let's just go for the mastectomy. And I said, okay, I'm good. I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. And then we thought, okay, great mastectomy. And then we're done with it. But then Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, you've got positive node. And Mm -hmm. so that, as you know, changes everything because if it's in your nodes, it could be anywhere. And I had worked in the oncology clinic for enough years that I had heard the story of, I wish I had had chemo you know, Mm -hmm. five years down the road. And I said to my husband, I don't want to get five years down the road and go, oh, crap, why didn't I have chemo? Right. So I said, we have to do this again. Right. I said, okay, you know what, let's just, let's just do this. And Mm -hmm. I had a chemo called CMF, which means that I didn't lose all my hair. Mm. It got pretty thin. um, Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of hair. And the only people that really noticed it were my sister and my Mm -hmm. husband. (laughs) So everybody else, you know, I don't think it was, it was all that noticeable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and very fortunately for me, my boss was open to letting me continue to work during mm-hmm. treatment. A- ah. And our agreement was that if I can do this and keep working, I'll keep working. I mean, if mm-hmm. not, let's just see how it goes. Right. And it was for me the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am. They're looking for you. You know, I am so <laughs> sorry that that. You got to love live radio. You know, I tell you, I unplugged the phone upstairs. So how can that even be ringing? I don't know. And I just They're... knocked it off the desk. So now I can't even answer it and hang up. Oh, no. Well, that's all right. <laughs> and we, we should answer and go, hello. <laughs> oh, my God. Deb, do you want to just hang on and let me turn it? Uh, yeah. Answer it and, yeah, hang on. Okay. Oh. Uh. 
Okay, too bad that this isn't on camera because you could have watched me crawl under my desk <laughs> like an insect to get this phone. What? And, and you know, or it's on linoleum and it bounces as you're trying to catch oh it. Oh my yeah. God. And for a brief moment, I was like, oh my God, what is that? And it was like, it's just like this big dust bunny under my desk. <laughs> ah, okay. So, okay, where were we? <laughs> I was very fortunate in that I could continue to work during treatment. And right. the reason that that was the best thing for me is because mm -hmm. it's very easy to get super self-absorbed when right. you have cancer and you're undergoing treatment mm -hmm. because it's all about you. And, and your, you know, treatment team is constantly asking, how are you feeling? What is your temperature? What is your blood pressure? You, 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 you. And it's really easy to get so self-absorbed that your world gets very small. So for me, seeing other patients was fabulous. I could take right. the, you know, focus off myself, plus mm -hmm. the added bonus that no one thought about was that when I said to a patient, oh, I really understand. And they go, oh, no, mm -hmm. really? Do you really? And I go, yeah, I said, I I'm on, mm -hmm. I'm on chemo right now. I mean, I didn't mm -hmm. always, I didn't ever lead with that, but sometimes I would right. say it. Mm -hmm. Well, it was as if a wall went down with mm -hmm. them. It wasn't that I understood more because I got to tell you, it was pretty much like I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, people said to me, oh, now you'll really, you know, get close to your patients. And I said, are you kidding? If I get any closer with them, I'll be having sex. I mean, right. I pretty much mm -hmm. understand what this is like, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it was that thing of, oh, you really, you are one of us now. Mm -hmm. And wow, it just opened up so many doors to conversation and I could see people visibly relax. Mm -hmm. So as a chaplain, that was great. Mm -hmm. And then the other bonus was for the nurses, they would explain to a patient, well, you should think about getting a port. And the patient's like, I don't know what that is. And what does that look like? And how does that work? And they said, well, you know what? Our chaplain has <laughs> one. And they always mm -hmm. ask me, you know, can we share this? And right. I went, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. You know, mm -hmm. I'm on national public radio about it. So you can tell whoever right. you want. Uh and then it was so great to be able to come in and say, look, see, here's my port right here. And this mm -hmm. is what you can expect from the procedure. And it mm -hmm. makes chemo a heck of a lot easier because they don't have to access the veins in your arm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a problem for me. And you can touch it. And, oh, it was, you know, so I mean, <laughs> for kind of a crappy situation, there were tons of really good things that came out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and it is kind of that little club. And, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's, you know, cancer, MS, amputation, any of those yeah. things, it, you know, a death of a child, you know, there, there are those things where you can, you can only have so much empathy and so much understanding yeah. until you've been there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I mean, you hate to have to be in the point where yes, you have been there, but it does change the level that people feel about mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that was a huge bonus. And that's what made me want to, to write the book because I thought, mm -hmm. okay, see, I get it from all the angles now. I get it mm -hmm. as, you know, watching my mom go through her lumpectomy. She mm -hmm. didn't need chemo. She didn't have positive nodes. So she did really, really well. And she's cool. doing Yay. well right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, later on, a couple of years later, I asked my dad, how, how was that for mom? And he said, you know, she never even talked about her cancer. Mm -hmm. It was all about you. Right. And, you know, I, I got that and she was mm -hmm. super supportive about flying up here to Seattle and being with me. And I think the the moment that I remember the best in <laughs> that changed our relationship is when she was up here, I wanted to take her to, you know, the art store and take her to this museum mm -hmm. and do all this stuff. And, but it was on my like third day after chemo, which was always uh -oh. a low day for me. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. We were sitting on the couch talking and I just put my head in her lap and I went, mom, I don't mm -hmm. think we can do all that stuff today. And she said, oh, thank God. <laughs> At last you have the same energy level as everyone else. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of, you know, amazing that we could bond in that way because mm -hmm. I couldn't take her all these places. Right. So that meant we just spent quiet time together. Mm -hmm. It was great. Well, and, and it is one of those things where, you know, it doesn't matter how old we get mm -hmm. because I've, I've had this discussion with several people because my mother doesn't live here. Yeah. I've, I've said, you know, 
it doesn't matter how old you get. But when you're sick, as in throwing up and all of that good stuff, you can have the best support system around you, but you want your mommy and you want your mommy to make you milk toast or whatever. <laughs> and, and there's just something about that. You know, we, be, we become six years old again. Now it might pass in an hour, yeah. but you know, there, there really is just something about mm -hmm. that, that, you know, and it, you know, it's not the same with a dad or a husband, you know, any of that, you want your mommy. Yeah. Yeah. And the other person I have to say that was super important in my own personal healing was my sister. And we're really close and we're mm -hmm. two years apart. And she was a woman who had no history of breast cancer one day. Mm -hmm. And then the next oh, day, <laughs> bam, bam, she had a huge history. And so it was really wonderful to have her support. You know, we talked a lot mm -hmm. on the phone. She flew up here and spent time with me and went to chemo with me. And for both my mom and my sister, it was important for them to see what was happening and see right. that, you know what, I am really well cared for. I am mm -hmm. very well cared for by all of these people. Mm -hmm. And it, it, for my mom, I think it was really comforting because your imagination usually is way worse than mm -hmm. anything that's really happening. Right. I mean, right. you know, think of those Hitchcock films. They don't actually mm -hmm. yeah. show you the murder. You just think about right. what it is. Right. So for her to see what was going on, it was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I, I get how this this goes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was actually kind of weirdly comforting for both of them. Well, and yeah, and you know, we, our experience might be years ago or with what we saw on TV, you know, they, when they told me that I had to have a port, I mean, I wanted a port mm -hmm. in the last two months I've, you know, through all of this stuff, I've had two blown IVs uh, in the back of my yeah. hand. So that makes me very cranky. Mm -hmm. Um, that actually hurt more than almost any of this other stuff. And so when they said you can have a port, I'm like, sign me up. Can I have it now? Yeah. yeah. You know? And but my experience with a port, even going through all of this, that you know, the last actual port that I saw was on my grandmother. So it was about 30 years ago. <laughs> and it was this big thing yeah. that stuck out. Right. And, and I'm like, oh. And then they brought it to me and showed it to me. So again, this is the, you know, ask questions, ask to see it. And I went, oh, well, that tiny little thing. And they said, you won't even know it's there. Yeah. And other, you know, it's not like it sticks out and people see it. You know, you tell people, yeah, here's where it is. But they, they don't see it. And I thought, okay, well, this, this is easy, but you know, it, it, we, we do get caught up in the, well, this is what I saw on Grey's Anatomy right. or, you know, whatever it is. And of course we forget that that's been sensationalized. Oh yeah. You know, or, or we see, you know, the Facebook posts about, you know, all these various things. And, and the reason we see it is because it is sensational. So maybe it's an extreme story. Yeah. We don't see the hundreds of thousands of, you know, millions where everything really does go pretty well for people. Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, it's TV or it's a mm -hmm. film. And right. film and TV stories, any story is no good without conflict, right. you know, without mm -hmm. some drama. So if they show somebody, you know, getting a, an IV stick and it goes perfectly well, it's like, why are you even mm -hmm. bothering to oh, show that? Yeah, that's boring. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and that's when, you know, they're having the drama themselves and, you know, all those various things. But it, you know, one of the things that, that I've also found interesting through all of this is my friend's reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've had, I've had people come out of the woodwork who I didn't even think knew really that I existed. Huh. And they have been so supportive. It's been, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's very cool, you know, and, and, you know, I, I obviously greatly appreciate their support, but sometimes what throws you are the people who you thought really cared who you don't hear from. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I've come to the realization that, you know, there are those who really didn't care. Okay. Well, now I know. But for a lot of people, they don't know, you know, it comes back to the, are you going to lose your hair question? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to do and they don't know what to say. So, you know, for the, for the friends of people who were going through this, what do they do and what do they say? You know, what, what is advice that you give? I always say, okay, you come to my house and you say, how are you doing? You mm -hmm. ask me, how am I doing? Right. And then mm -hmm. you just be quiet mm -hmm. <laughs> and you listen to me say how I am doing. If I don't want to talk about what's going on with me physically, I mm -hmm. won't talk about it. And then, you know, you can ask another question or bring up something else. But I think the biggest thing is fear of that first question. And I think mm -hmm. the bottom line, the very, very bottom line is people's fear of death. Right. That Because cancer, death, cancer, death. You mm -hmm. just, you link those two together. 
-hmm. And because we are such a death-fearing and death-denying culture, it's no surprise that people that you considered your friends cannot show up on your doorstep right? because they have a huge fear of death. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, it only has power over you if you can't give a voice to your fear. So Mm -hmm. come over. Let's talk about it. In fact, this was one of the things I created a program at the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance called the Existential Expedition. Mm -hmm. And the reason I created this program is because staff are coming to me saying, we're having a really hard time dealing with patients who want to talk about impending death or spirituality. And I realized, well, the reason that you can't talk to them about it is because you're not even clear about what you think. Right. So I want to create a safe place for you to talk about what you were raised to believe spiritually and where you are now and how Mm -hmm. you nurture your spiritual life and what you think happens when you die. And do you think death is the worst kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And this program was a raving success because for one thing, the administration really backed it and gave staff two hours of paid time to be in these small groups. Wow. Right. To discuss Mm -hmm. it. But you know, that's like putting your money where your mouth is. We want you to be great staff and give good care. And you're going to give great care if you can learn to articulate your beliefs and thus be with patients who need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing experience to work on that unit and have so many staff go through this program. Mm -hmm. Because kind of, you know, unbeknownst to me at first was that people would sidle up to another person who'd already gone through and say, well, so what did you say how you wanted to die? (laughs) And it was Mm -hmm. like this bonding thing, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I didn't pick shark attack or poison mushrooms because I'd always give them a list, you know, because people, Mm -hmm. they they never really think about it because, you know, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be talking about it or thinking about it because we might bring it on. Right. Um, And uh, so, you know what the amazing thing is? 80% of that staff, this is oncology staff, chose Mm -hmm. cancer as how they would like to die. Wow. And when I asked them about that, they said, well, you know what? We've we've never really talked about it anywhere in our lives mm-hmm. before. But now that we're all talking about it, we can see that pain is the biggest fear. And mm-hmm. we know as professionals that we can control, you know, right. 98% of that with really good meds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was at least one person in every group that had lost a loved one suddenly. And if you've mm-hmm. ever lost somebody suddenly, you know how horrifying that is. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It, it takes you a year to even comprehend right. that they're dead. Mm-hmm. So they said, you know, and we've seen this in our patients. It gives people time to say goodbye and thank mm-hmm. you and forgive me. And there's tremendous personal and spiritual growth that can happen. And shoot, that's probably what we choose. Mm-hmm. So, well, and it comes back to the fear of the unknown. Yes. Cancer to them was the known. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so they, you know, so it was kind of very matter of fact. And, and everybody was sort of like, wow, yeah, now that we're talking about it, because really we offered all these other things, you know, house fire or heart attack or, mm-hmm. like I said, poison mushrooms, <laughs> murder. You know, nobody wanted mm-hmm. anything violent. Right. And of course, there's always people in the group that say, oh, I want to die in my sleep. Yes, I want to be 97 you know, years old and die in my sleep. With the laundry folded and the fridge clean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh. Yeah, I dusted the day before. Right, right, right. <laughs> I think I want to, you know, I want to die in the middle of something. Right. Whether it's the roller coaster or, you know, <laughs> or my, you know, my inbox is full or, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. I want to be living life. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and for some of my friends who, and, and I know it is, the, you know, if they don't want to, if they, if they don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. And right. I tell them, you know, okay, hello. Yeah. I understand that. But I tell them, you know, the, the impression is that you don't care. Right. And I said, in this day and age, when you can send somebody a, a little quote on a Facebook post, mm-hmm. or you can send them a Hallmark card. I mean, heaven forbid you go to the store and buy a card and put a stamp on something. I know. You know, you're not talking about it, but you're showing your support. Mm-hmm. And to me, and and this is something hopefully that that I come out of this with, is that I remember that, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if it's that they're sick, it's, you know, maybe they have whatever they're going through. Sometimes it's just that little, you know, little happy face meme that somebody sends right. on a Facebook right. post where you're thinking, wow, they really did care. Yeah. 
you know, and, and, and it's, you know, I got into this discussion with somebody the other day about the, the like button on Facebook mm-hmm, and there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a movement afoot by Facebook that they're actually going to come up with a dislike button right. um, because it's always really weird when you post something that is a negative and the only way to respond is to click the like button. I know, unless so, you, you know, make a comment. And a lot of yeah, people don't yeah. want to make a comment. They're not comfortable yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and so like you're you're liking that their grandmother died right. or, you know. And so I understand, you know, and then people said, oh, well, we need more than just dislike. I'm like, okay, this just gets too complicated. Yeah, like I really hate um, that. And well, you know, yeah. let me just tell you, as far as the friend thing goes, what was really helpful to me, I had a friend that kind of like what you were saying, I didn't hear from her. And Mm -hmm. I was so surprised. And so I thought, okay, don't be hurt and angry. Be curious. Mm -hmm. Be curious about this. Maybe there's something going on with that. Yeah. And so, you know, I found that if you're curious, that cultivates your understanding, which can lead to compassion. And Mm -hmm. so I called her and said, so haven't heard from you. And what's up? And it it Mm -hmm. turned out exactly what you said. She had had two really bad experiences in her family with people Mm -hmm. dying of cancer. Oh dear. And so then, then I understood that and I could feel compassion for her Mm -hmm. instead of just Mm -hmm. being pissed off, right? you know, or hurt or whatever, or the victim, you know? Mm -hmm. So that would be my advice to people, you know, develop your own curiosity around your Mm -hmm. experiences, no matter how negative they can be, because that way you can cultivate some understanding, which can lead to compassion. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially right. around your, your, um, treatment team, you know, mm-hmm. cause some people are like, oh, my doctor is such a jerk or my nurse was such a bitch or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, be curious about that. Why, right. why are you that yeah. way? Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand now I can mm-hmm. have compassion for you. Makes your life mm-hmm. a whole lot easier. Right. Right. Well, and you know, it, a lot of times it really doesn't have anything to do with you. And we've talked about the I, I, I and yeah. the me, me, me thing. Um, you know, we think, oh, they're, they're mad at me, yeah. they're mean to me. Yeah. Well, maybe their favorite patient just died. Right. Or, you know, they got yelled at by somebody or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, and I learned this uh, from when I talked to Peter Shankman, who is a big marketing guru mm-hmm. in, the, in the, the marketing world. And he said, he always... And he said, you know, unless he's really having a bad day, he is always polite mm-hmm. and friendly to everyone. Yeah. And and it's amazing when you smile at somebody, it doesn't matter what their initial expression is, a lot of times they smile back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now he was very interesting because he talked about, you know, there's there are a lot of people who come to him with business proposals. Mm-hmm. And he said he watches how they react with the, the people that we would consider staff. Mm-hmm. So whether it's the, you know, the person at the drive-through or the, the receptionist or whoever. And he said, if the person is polite and friendly to those people, as opposed to hmm, you're the help. Right. He said, that's how, and he said, and if, if somebody does something and he, and they don't say thank you, he said, that's an immediate black mark. Mm-hmm. And I have really tried to, to think about that. You know, if, if, a, you know, I'm sitting in a restaurant and they come and fill my water glass, I don't care if I'm interrupting myself. I say thank you, um, you know, and, and almost always they smile, yeah, because they they aren't told thank you enough. And holy cow, that took me less than five seconds, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and if I can make somebody's day better by saying thank you, just think if we actually put a little bit more compassion and a little more thought to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. It's that whole thing of getting out of yourself and right. thinking about other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're a very, again, our culture, and I've just come from living in a different culture for a year, but mm-hmm. our culture is all about individualism. Right. And mm-hmm. it's all about us and autonomy and making our way. And that mm-hmm. can can breed really self-centered people. Right. Well, I tell people I'm an only child. I never learned how to share. And, you know, I kind of laugh and joke about that. But in a lot of ways, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's my husband, who is one of nine. And so he never had anything that was just his own. And so, it's, you know, it's, it's always very interesting to, to you know, kind of compare and con- contrast mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Right. But what we're talking about your book, it's not about the hair and other certainties of life and cancer. So what were some other tidbits and, and things that you really felt, maybe that you had a totally new perspective on? Once you got cancer, when when you had cancer, and it's weird, you, you know, you you get it, mm-hmm. I, you get cancer, you contract. I don't know. It was one of those. You just all of a sudden have it. Um, 
because you don't catch it. You know, right. It's not like it's contagious. Right. But, you know, you, you'd been working with cancer patients for so many years. When you actually were a cancer patient, what were some of the things that were like, oh, my gosh, to you? I'm so sorry to disappoint you with this, but honestly, there weren't a lot. I'm not kidding. Which is, there weren't a it's, lot. It's a good thing. To me, that means you really were paying attention to the people you were working well, with. Well, I think so. I mean, seriously, there really weren't a lot. In fact, it, I would say it almost worked the other way where I thought, oh, I mm -hmm. can see exactly how you could use this diagnosis to manipulate people. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I almost did that the other day. I had somebody who told me, I'm really busy. I can't do this. Yeah. And I almost did the Really? I've got chemo for the next four months, right? Right. <laughs> but I didn't well, because she had no idea about my diagnosis. And I thought, you know what, that would make her feel horrible or, you know, hopefully it would make her feel horrible. You know, if I was playing that card, um, you know, she very well might've looked at me and gone, so, right, um, right. but yeah, it, it really did come close to the, I have a Trump card. Exactly. I can play my Trump card. <laughs> and I think maybe that was sort of my, you know, biggest realization. And then once I was done with treatment, I felt like I was a little more challenging to people about that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I see you playing that. Is is that mm -hmm. necessary? And right. you realize, of course, you're playing on people's fears. Mm -hmm. And what does that say about you? I mean, not all manipulation is bad, right? It's right. not. That's right. how we make our way in the world. But wow, I mean, makes you slow down and really mm -hmm. reflect on how you operate in your life. Right. Yeah. So- well and at the start, we were talking about, you know, the, the pink ribbon tattoo and, you know, kind of wearing that banner forever. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing is you you only see that for the most part with breast cancer. Yeah. You know, there there's the, let's see, it's a teal ribbon for prostate cancer and, you know, several, but there's yeah. there's a week or a month of that. Yeah. You know, and, and then it's gone. You don't think about it again for another 11 months. Why do you think breast cancer has kind of this big quotes you know, everything around it, we can, we can be that person forever type of thing. Mm. Wow. And because it really does it, it and it, it, I don't want to say it bothers me because it doesn't bother me. I, you know, and, and I don't know if it's because somebody has, you know, in, in many, we've got a, uh, you know, a wife, a mother, a sister, somebody, I mean, because of the statistics, somebody we've been close to right. who probably does have breast cancer. So I don't know if it's, well, okay. The, so, so know, there's, that or... there's, there's that, there's the st mm -hmm. statistics. And then there's also just the marketing thing. And mm -hmm. I'm afraid that a lot of breast cancer organizations need you to take on that survivor Right. Identity and keep that mm -hmm. so that you will continue to support them. Now, mm -hmm. I continue to support them, but I don't want to take that on as my identity. Right. And, you know, my nightmare is always when I go to a party and I have some poor soul dragged up to me going, you two have something in common. And mm -hmm. then I'm looking at her like, well, what could that be? You know, you're you're tall and brunette and I'm short right. and blonde. Mm -hmm. Oh, we both had cancer. I mean, oh, God. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's just, that's not even, I also had chicken pox. Who else here has had chicken pox? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, that's, that's my take on that in, in that they need us to keep that identity because they need mm -hmm. our support. Um, but I'm all for funding breast cancer research yes. and all of mm -hmm. that. What, what I'm just absolutely amazed at is the merchandising of the mm -hmm. disease. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, you need to be really careful and see, okay, what percent of the profits of this pink mixer get donated mm -hmm. to breast cancer right. research? Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you know you're supporting research and that's what you're doing, mm -hmm. then, you know, that's great, whether that's the Komen Foundation or the Cancer Society or, you know, all right. of those. But you know, like the other day, I'm driving down the interstate and I got next to a, a Jeep Wrangler. So one of those little Jeeps. Mm -hmm that had pink highlights on it. So it was a black Jeep with all these pink mm -hmm. trim. Mm -hmm. And it said breast cancer series. I'm thinking, really? Huh. And then somebody told me, oh, uh, Ford has a Mustang. That's, and I'm, ugh. you know, and then of course you see the license plates and, and they always will say that we give a percentage. Well, I'm sorry. What mm. is that percentage? Yeah. You know, if, if it's a big amount and, you know, and, and this is always my pet peeve and maybe this comes from working for, with, with a large nonprofit, mm -hmm. you always check. Yeah. You know, how much money do you donate? What is the percentage of every dollar that goes back to whatever it is, mm -hmm. back to the community, back to research, back to whatever it is they say they do? And they, by federal law, they have to report that. So there's reports to, to look at. But, you know, I don't think Jeep and Ford 
and some of these other things are doing really all that much yeah. to help breast yeah. cancer. And so that, you know, that one kind of bugs me yeah. when, when it does get so much into the merchandising. Right. Right. So, yeah, I can't tell you the number of pink things that I've given away because <laughs> I just, God bless them, you know, but right. thanks, mm -hmm. but no thanks. I know. Well, my friend Pat Smith, who introduced me to to your TED Talk, also sent me this, and it was cool. I loved it. I had to post about it on the Facebook page. She has a friend who has developed um, a kit that is, she has two of them. One is for breast cancer, and then one is for everything else, um, all other cancers. And it's it's great. There's a journal, there's a calendar, there's a notebook so you can put like your insurance bills, all of that stuff in there. There's a water bottle, there's a cool canvas bag to carry it in, and all of it is green. Hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not pink. <laughs> and the logos on it are really small. So I, and, and it's Road to Recovery. And, you know, I'll, I'll give them a little plug. I loved it because it wasn't waving that pink flag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, great products, great service. She's worked with doctors. She had breast cancer. And so it was one of those things that I thought this I will use because it's not waving the pink flag banner. Mm -hmm. But once again, I'm going to be a little controversial here and say, mm -hmm. look, what if she had a website and said, this is the kind of things that you need when you mm -hmm. begin this journey. Mm -hmm. You need a notebook, mm -hmm. you need a water bottle, you need right. a bag. Mm -hmm. Instead, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm I gonna, will sell it to I will you. sell it to you, mm -hmm. you know? And right. so it's just mm -hmm. another way of merchandising cancer. Mm -hmm. right. I got to say it, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and would I go buy that stuff myself? Some of it I would. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I already had the notebook right. because I am one of these that, you know, I, I am tracking everything. Right. I'm extremely fortunate that we have very good insurance and we have a, a health savings account. And so this is, you know, I, I, I and I recognize how fortunate I am that this is not going to, to bankrupt us. Um, but I'm still tracking everything. So I have every single invoice. I have all of that. Some of it's curiosity. We talked about that before. You know, I want to know how much the totals were, yeah. you know, so that I can go, oh my gosh, my, my new boob cost X number of dollars. Yeah. Um, but so I, I had the notebook, you know, and when I've done a water bottle, I wouldn't have bought one because we have some. Um, Come on, but, who doesn't have a water bottle? I know, swear to God, who doesn't things. have a water bottle? Yes, you know, because, and they're all branded with, you know, something. Right. Um, but, you know, but at the same point, sometimes I'm just lazy. And if you give me the whole thing, oh, okay, well, that's cool. Um, but it, it, yeah, the the whole merchandising thing is, it is different. And, you know, it's, it, and especially with breast cancer, and I don't know what it is. And, and maybe it's just because I'm not a pink fan. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the whole thing. I just don't like pink. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I tell people that's because I have red hair. If I put pink on, it just looks ugly. That's not a good color um, for you, Deb. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. You know, however, I might do a pink wig, <laughs> you know, like, but it would be fuchsia. I mean, you okay. know, not this pastel pink. I would do something, you know, and, and, you know, and I actually do wear pink on occasion, but it is more of the bright pink colors, mm -hmm. but you know, there, there are several different types of things where they do commercialize it. Mm -hmm. And, but it does tend to be cancer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we don't see, you know, a Barbie that, because I think there is a breast cancer Barbie. Um, you know, you, you don't see MS Barbie yeah. <laughs> yeah. or any of those things. And, and it's just kind of weird how, and, and granted, cancer is just more prevalent, mm -hmm. but it is, you know, it is just one of those, those unusual things. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the American thing, though, right? If there's a buck to be mm -hmm. made on it, oh yeah, let's do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> well, that that actually makes me curious. So you lived in Switzerland for a year. Mm -hmm. What did and now it's socialized medicine over there? But you know, was there anything over there like you know things like like we have here for you know whether it's a, a relay for life or a run for the race for the cure or any of those various things? You know, I saw one thing in a little town mm -hmm. I lived. In outside of Geneva, but it's very subtle. It is nothing like it is here. You don't see billboards. You don't see tons of water bottles. You don't see an entire month devoted to it. Mm -hmm. It's just a whole different, it's not even part of the culture. Mm -hmm. It's not that people don't support research or support right. people who have cancer. Mm -hmm. It's just not a big merchandise thing. I saw right. no merchandise that I can even think of for sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So it was just, yeah, it was a whole different yeah. thing. 
Well, and, you know, it, it does come back sometimes to the education mm-hmm. because, you know, when, when I was working for the American Cancer Society, there was a, a cancer of the month for all 12 months. Um, and, you know, and so that gave me something to pitch to the media. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it gave us something that we were talking to the public about, you know, whether it was that you have to have prostate cancer screenings right. or, you know, with skin care screenings. I mean, this was Colorado and skin cancer there was, you know, clearly something that was going to be a problem because of the, the elevation. Right, right, right. Um, and, you know, and, and so it, it was a great way for us to get our message out there. Right. And then, of course, we always said, and you can make a donation at, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, but, you know, it was, it, it does, it is just, it is different in this country. Well, okay. So the tagline, support breast cancer awareness. Now I got to mm-hmm. ask you as a social media person, mm-hmm. how many people do you think are not aware of breast cancer? I would think zero right. would be aware. Right. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Right. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe migrants coming into this country for the first time, maybe, mm-hmm. Probably not. I mean, but but I can't buy that anymore. It's like, oh, come mm-hmm. on. Really? You think people right. don't know about breast mm-hmm. cancer awareness? Mm-hmm. They don't know about breast yeah. cancer? They're yeah. aware. So yeah. you, you need you know, a tagline. Right. You know, and, and, and it needs to be, sometimes it's statistics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, statistics, they're good and they're bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like my statistic was... of women have what I have and it's not a problem. So, of course, I latched onto that. And then it was, well, and then of the 50% who do have it, that's a problem. Well, 95% of it really isn't a problem. So I latched onto that. Well, danged if I wasn't that 5%. Right. Um, You know, and, and, but then, of course, you have the others who are, they're perpetually going to be that, you know, well, I'm that negative percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, but, you know, the, it, it is something that, you know, we, we do need to put the, the marketing hat back on and because you can't scare people. Right. I mean, you scare them and they're going to ignore you. Right. Um, you know, and, and but yeah, it's yeah. Support breast cancer awareness you know, for, you know, whatever organizations use that because now multiple ones use it. Mm-hmm. No, we are aware. We're aware. <laughs> it's there. The stats. And, and I mean, the stats are more and more women are getting breast cancer, but that's because of more and more early diagnosis. diagnosis. So it's, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and, and so then you also have a higher uh, remission rate and, and, uh, you know, uh, things like that, but, um, or not remission, um, you have a, a, a good outcome. Right. I'm drawing a blank. I, I can't blame it on chemo yet. I don't have chemo. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it is something that, that is there. Well, we've got about a minute left. Holy cow. So Deborah, tell us again, about your book, and if you've only got a minute left, one thing that we really need to remember about your your TED Talk or about why this is so important to you. Okay, so my book, it's not about the hair and other certainties of life and cancer. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you know, you'll blow milk out your nose. Um, <laughs> and what I want you to get from that is that you choose your response. You have mm-hmm. the power to choose your response. It's not like you can just, you know, react your way through everything. You can have your feelings, you can give them a voice, and then you can choose how you're going to do this. Mm -hmm. That's totally up to you, and it's totally within your power. And then, you know, as far as my TED Talk goes, it's all about your identity and that we're constantly, hopefully anyway, constantly evolving and growing. Mm-hmm. And if you latch on to one identity forever and ever, it can keep you stuck. It's possible. Mm-hmm. It will be part of who you are. It's an experience that you had, and it may inform every decision you make for the rest of your life. But I would say caution around taking that as your total identity. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Deborah, this has been so much fun, and I do encourage people to buy the book. Um, and but more importantly, you know, the TED Talk is just a fifteen-minute TED Talk. That's all TED Talks yeah. are. So you know, go to TED.com, and it's just the name TED.com, and you can search for Deborah, and that's D-E-B-R-A Jarvis J-A-R-V-I-S, and you'll be able to find her talk. And and I, it's a very good uh, TED presentation that I think everybody should listen to. Thank you. Great. Well, it has been fabulous chatting with you, getting to know you. Absolutely. And, you know, as I said, I'm, I met you because somebody posted about you on Facebook. Huh. So see, we've come full circle. We're back to talking about social, social media. media. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone out there, have a great day and I will talk with you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. 
Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.